and we are recording. Okay, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to uh, Parkour Coach Companion. My name is Sam Kopak, and today I'm having a little talk with uh, the Coventry man, Jack Colin Bartlett. It's uh, it's weird doing this because we chat all the time, and uh, we've been chatting for years. And this is the only kind of recorded thing we've done, really, I guess you could say. Long um, form, that's, we chat more than anyone else that I chat to long form yeah. about all sorts of things. So Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so the point of doing this, really, is aimed not just to kind of get to know you more, but uh, more look into your perspectives on coaching parkour and your perspectives on how to help people who are trying to do parkour and that sort of thing so really we're going to go for about 40 minutes hopefully um all going well and uh my idea centers around two very well very important questions the first question is what are the most important aspects of coaching to help people improve. And, um, oh, are you joking? That's all right. And, uh, <laughs> and then the second question will be, uh, what are the most important aspects of your own training to help you improve? So we're kind of looking at progression, um, but I guess you could maybe start with just saying a bit about where you coach, who you coach, how long you've been coaching for, all that yada yada, so yeah. So um, training in general for parkour is coming up about 10 years. Um, I've been coaching for probably five years now, maybe, yeah, four or five years. I don't really know exactly when I started, um, but I started with uh, Jump Parkour. So it's a company that's based in Leicester. Uh, I'm still coaching with them. Um, it started off as kind of just like one session a week and then I built up and up and did quite a lot. But then other commitments to jobs um, and other things in life have been that I've reduced that back down now. So I'm actually only coaching once a week now, um, but still with the same company set up in Coventry. So it's a Leicester company, but we've set up through them, through, the, through their help and through their kind of um, assets, we've been able to set up in Coventry. Um, so I coach alongside Chris Scott, who is level two coach. Um, I'm a level one coach. Um, so... Yeah, we've been doing that in Coventry for about a year. No, is it? How long is it now? Maybe two, two? years. Maybe about, about two years in Coventry. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, yeah, that's that's my that's my coaching. Um, I know you do a lot more, and a lot of people do a lot more hours than me and do it full time and stuff. Um, it's never been a full time thing for me. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of a thing that I do alongside. It's almost like a second job, second secondary uh, employment that I have. So yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. cool. So do you are you mainly focused on teaching kids or adults or students or? So um, it's split pretty evenly. Um, the session that that I do is like three back to back sessions. Um, so seven to eleven year olds, and then twelve to fifteen year olds, and then adults. So three separate classes. Um, so all age ranges basically from seven up until I think our eldest student has been about 40 odd, maybe early 40s. And he's actually been coming since the very start of the, uh, the classes in Coventry. So um, 
yeah, quite quite a big range. Not quite as young as I think some people tend to start coaching parkour. Um, I'd pretty much agree with Jump's decision uh, on seven being the minimum age, just because I think class yeah. control it's a bit tricky below that. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think mine is eight. Uh, <laughs> I, I definitely I've done sort of camps before where we've we've reduced that, and it's 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 tough. Um, it, it definitely. I feel like it kind of teaching parkour, it, it kind of disintegrates a bit for me. I think it becomes more like movement games and play and mm. kind of different movement challenges and stuff. And, and actually yeah. I've done some camps where to try and attract more kids into my camp, I've just not called it parkour. I've just been like, Hey guys, come and see this. We're going to try and get across this river, like this river, you know, on the floor using like balance mm. and stuff, you know? Um, no, I completely agree. I think that's exactly it. Like when when they're just young and don't have the kind of mental capacity to identify it as set challenges and progression. It's just about play and encouraging that is the best thing you can do at young ages. Um, obviously, in a class environment where we've got specific setups and we're looking at certain things in a in a day, then it's not as easy to just go and do things like that. But I think the younger you go, the more your training should be, your coaching should be like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so when you when you I don't know whether you adhere to jump specific kind of formula or whether you kind of are more individualistic with your approach. But what what are the things that you you know you you get ready for a session? You've got the kids waiting or whatever or whoever waiting. And mm -hmm. what are the things that go through your head to think like right? I'm gonna this is important. This is what I need to focus on with my, with what I want to do with a session. Um, so uh, first of all, I think like keeping track of what you've been coaching over the past month, past three months, something like that. Um, obviously we tend to rotate around different ideas. Um, we're quite limited on equipment that we have specifically in Coventry. So a lot of it is a lot of the ideas that me and Chris come up with um, in order to, to find challenges and, and design classes and stations is pretty creative we have to get pretty creative with those things um but i think the the idea that's more important than focusing on techniques at a time and coming up with ideas for certain classes to work on specific techniques is more work on principles over time mm. um so rather than just going okay we're gonna we're gonna focus like say four weeks on different vaults and then we're gonna focus four weeks on precisions then we're gonna focus four weeks on cat leaps or you know things like that that's kind of technique based um structuring um to, to, the, to the coaching i think it's i think the, the kids especially younger kids get way more out of it by working and, and all, all age ranges really like get more out of it by practicing principles at a time um so one might be focused a little bit more on strength and climbing challenges oriented challenges and some might be focused more on um quietness of movement you know things like that i think are, are ways to kind of like it, it makes the makes the training less regimented you know and i think like if you explore an idea a concept um, a principle at a time you can go in a lot of directions with with that at a time you know so i think that's something mm. i've in recent in recent past year have tried to do a lot more of um that doesn't mean that we'll have sessions where we'll specifically focus on foot placement and landings and things like that because i think that's so important um but yeah, that's kind of the, the principle or the ideas I try and go by. Um, so mm. yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's interesting. I think 
one thing that I've I found kind of working and talking with different coaches is that is that balance between you know how how regimented you make the the, the session in terms of right we're going to learn this technique and we're going to do this amount of this and this amount of this and like you say more kind of I guess you, you could say like open plan like looking at principles and looking at um, multi equipment multi kind of uh, you know different types of movement in in what using different types of equipment based mm-hmm. on a principle yeah that's cool I like that and so how what, what what sort of things do you find that that work because obviously you know you do see especially with the beginners you, you can see like a lot of improvement especially the ones that really focus what are the things that you you see that kind of think ah okay that 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 works like that that was good um i, th- I think like I mean, ultimately, that is that is a thing we're after, isn't it? As as coaches, is to find those things, those um, those kind of patterns and, and ability as a coach to to help the kids to, to progress. I mean, I, I was just I was actually just filming a video um, talking about. I just mentioned this in in the video talking about progression and how progression is literally at the core of what parkour is. Without progression, um, like take that away from parkour, but keep the social side, keep the outdoorsy side of parkour if progression isn't there, I'm not enjoying it and I probably wouldn't still be doing it now. So I think no matter what, what the age of, of the student, um, that should always be at the core of what you're after. You're trying to, you're trying to help them to improve. And I think we've, we've talked about this before and you, you agree with that. Um, and I think, so I think things that, things that do help um, is ultimately it comes down to finding, finding the right level of challenge for the individual mm. um, or, or, for, or for a class. Sometimes you, know, you can do more, group-based challenges um but yeah ultimately i think it comes down to finding the right amount of difficulty within a challenge so that the, the student isn't put off by it being too difficult and it taking too long for them to get and because f- i think when you do that it can kind of leave the student with a sense of feeling like they're just not good enough like that it's, it's too hard and maybe for some for some kids that maybe uh, like overly difficult approach can work but for the vast majority, I think it needs to be in the right kind of dosage, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we look at um, progression with precisions, for example, we take precisions as an example, which is quite a predictable example for me to take. But um, <laughs> uh, it would be like, if a kid's first session ever, if we find that he's jumping to a wall and his footwee's done maybe 10 attempts at doing a small jump between two obstacles that are, you know, like a flat edge, and his foot placement is very, very consistent. Um, we'll then give him a challenge where he's landing on a more precise edge. Or we might, we might, rather than the edge being as, as white as going on for as long as um, a foot, we might limit that by putting something in the way. So his foot, foot placement has to be even more accurate. Mm. And then you progress up to a rail. Um, and it all depends on the individual's um, ability, like the natural ability of individuals. And I think being able to... Um, identify that in students identify where first of all that their initial talent and ability is or or what level they start at and also identifying what level their progression is at because i think something that um is often overlooked when people look at talents and kind of a natural ability it's not just how, how good you are when you enter a sport when you first start practicing a sport but it's yeah. also how how well you respond to training and how well you improve. Mm. You know, I think like um, like take weightlifting for example. If you some people might walk into the gym and they're just so ridiculously strong, 
so they can they can squat 150 kilograms on their first day um versus someone who squats maybe 70 80 kilograms on their first day but if they respond to training better than the person who lifts 150 in the long run over the next three four five years the progression of the person who started as a weaker athlete i think is more substantial than someone who doesn't develop you know doesn't doesn't adapt as well so i think that's something to identify and it only comes with experience when i first started out coaching i kind of expected it to be quite easy i think i was a bit conceited in like how, how i expected coaching to be and i think it just comes with some experience really like there's so much to learn um but yeah identifying to go back to the question so identifying where the student is when they start practicing and identifying the rate of their progression based on the challenges you give them is um is, is golden like it's literally that's what's what we're after we're trying to find that so that we can then introduce challenges at the right dosage of difficulty for them to progress yeah yeah I, yeah that's that's cool um I, I i find it uh i find it really intriguing actually how you know some kids can come into their session and I just, you can tell there's something there, you know, straight away. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a girl I teach at the moment and it's like, she could be incredible, like genuinely. Um, she's super quiet, gets on with everything. She's like 12, 13. And um, I'm like, wow, like this is something, like I just really want to keep her in the class. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's she's she's surrounded by boys and she's completely like, mute almost but she's like really good and um we have a student just like that yeah. yeah and it's those sort of people that i well you can sort of think about it two ways because i want to encourage and support her people like her as much as possible because they are talented and because they could be really good and they've got a, a large potential but then i also sometimes that that puts the the blinders on in a way like I, I forget about I've got that kind of like talent bias you know like I see someone that excites me I'm like oh my god like this yeah, could, yeah, yeah. It could be amazing I think that's I'm just wary with myself with that sort of thing because as you said there's there's kids who oh you know sorry I keep saying kids but there's people who who start and you know they might not stand out at all but you know year after year the grinders you know they come out and you get people like well people like Matt Moore and stuff who, mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's, he's great. He's a great mover. And like, I've seen him in only a few snapshots of time, mm-hmm. but like his progression has been mad. And that's definitely down to his hard work, but also you guys, I assume, you know, identifying his talent and working with it and, and pushing him. Um, I so, thought it was, sorry, go on. I was going to say, um, so something that, that springs to mind when you say that as well, obviously, I, start, I started my point by saying that progression is the most important thing in parkour for, I think it should be for all individuals. That's how, that's how, that's how you sustain yourself, you sustain your interest in parkour. But that relies on an initial interest. You know, like, I think we sometimes forget to recognise that a lot of kids who come into the classes aren't initially that interested at all. So sparking interest and sparking encouragement for progression is like one of the biggest things as well you know like i think we take it for granted because we've been training for so long and it's such a parkour is such an integral part of what we do we take for granted just the element of interest in doing it you know like parkour isn't for everyone 
as coaches, it's our job to make it as accessible for people who may enjoy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think people who, kids and students who walk into the door um, and maybe not even that interested, especially kids, because, you know, their parents send them on things that maybe they just want to get them moving, want to get them active. If you're an adult, you've taken a responsibility and you've, you've you know, chosen to do this other thing. So it's maybe a bit different. But either way, I think, yeah, developing or encouraging and finding interest is really important. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you should put a challenge in a kid's face when he first walks into the door. Not always, you know, ultimately to progress, you need to challenge yourself. But sometimes giving them a challenge turns them away from it. You know, so just in, like movement itself is enjoyable um, for a lot of people, not for everyone, <laughs> but for a lot of people. So just getting them introduced to that and getting them used to the feeling of movement and maybe sparking some interest is a big part of it as well. Um, so, yeah, just another kind of point to, to mention. Can't really go without being mentioned. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's funny. Uh, I was just looking back on some of the videos I've already done. This, I've, I mean, I've, I've left this channel a bit vacant for a while. Um, yep. but kind of coming back to it, and I just rewatched some of the interview with Flynn. Yeah. How how you actually asked him, you know, does he think that parkour is is for everyone? And um, yeah. yeah, I definitely, I definitely, <laughs> I've definitely seen it in. Uh, over the years, you know, these, these kids that have, I guess they, they think they have an understanding of what, what parkour is and they have a huge expectation actually. Um, and I, I guess to be quite frank, I've not as a coach equaled that expectation, you know, because mm. for me, I guess I'm more on the cautionary side. I know there's a lot of coaches who are a bit more, uh, laissez-faire I guess like with the way they teach and let 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 the individual kind of do their own thing a bit more um, I'm definitely mm. more like I'm in charge <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm going to tightly structure this session and um, yeah. it does it does put people off and um, mm. it's a shame because I've had a few kids is that, I've seen a slight pattern in a few kids who maybe have some behavioural issues or other issues and um They've, they're man, their raw talent is like massive. And I just haven't been able to adhere to that kind of, to that kind of personality, I guess. And I've had, I've had really sulky kids who are like jumping way further than the other kids who are like doing all sorts. And they're just like, I'm bored. I don't want to yeah. do this anymore. And they've, they've left. And it's just like, I feel weird with those, those individuals because I have this kind of like savior idea of like, oh, well, so-and-so they've got ADHD or so-and-so has autism or so-and-so has behavioral issues. And like, oh, I can, I can be that coach that makes them into a champion, you know? And it's mm. like, um, doesn't always work like that. <laughs> I think that, that work. I think there's, there's quite often, um, I think you have to be adaptable as a, as a, a person a figurehead personality but mm. i think sometimes there's just no there's this it's difficult to gel and difficult to encourage certain certain personality types and different individuals i guess so yeah. i guess that's something i found um yeah 
But yeah, I guess we're about halfway through now. <laughs> so I'll go on to the other question, um, which is really more about you, I guess. And, and we've talked about progression so far, and I, I totally agree in that progression is, is the, the carrot. Yeah. They're all, uh, they're all chasing, you know. Um, so so what, what do you think about your own, you've been training, what, eight? Maybe eight years, nine years? I think I said ten at the start of this video, of this yeah. interview, but I think it's nine. I think it's nine. What is like it's coming up. Two thousand and eleven, it was like summer, so it's coming up nine. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty much nine. You, I just trying to remember what you got on your Instagram bio. You've got parkour since, okay. yeah. Um, so you've been you've been training a lot, and I know that <coughs> you've had a few issues, had a few setbacks. Mm. You've had yeah. some big. I say. I'd say some pretty big moments as well. Like as in I've seen some aspect, like for example, the stick in Leuven, that, I'd say that was like a big moment for you. Uh, yeah. In a, in a way, like not because it went like viral, but as in, I think, <laughs> I think it just represented a, definitely a new competence in a very, well, in downwards priest, like. Yeah, yeah. It exemplified that you, that you you are good at that, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, I was just wanting to to think. I wanted your thoughts on on how you are, I guess, trying to chase that carrot, and and what how your methods maybe have changed over the years, and and mm. as you get older, and blah blah blah, all that. So, yeah, um, I mean, you were there with that jumping love, and um, yeah, I, I was. The thing is, like that that probably was. It probably is one of the jumps that I am most happy with that I've ever done. Um, it's, it's probably, you know, top five single movements I've done that I'm most happy with, <laughs> which I think you know. Um, but my reaction isn't shouting, screaming, excited, you know, cork boy style celebration after I do something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it always this? Um, but I think, like, because... Even though I'm like really happy with that stick, I walked away like, yes, like, you know, I think I clapped and I was like very happy with it. But there's, there's always the next, there's always the next thing. There's always like another, like it could, it could be even better. I could have made it even better. Um, I don't think anything I've ever done is a hundred percent perfect. Um, so there's, there's that first of all. Um, so I think something with progression that I've been thinking about a lot recently is approaching progression in parkour as investments um, rather than expenditure. So what I mean by that is um, if you take, I know I've told you in the past, I've been looking into economics quite a lot and it's very new to me, but it's kind of almost like, um, what's the word? Like a paradigm shifting um in in how, how i how i view the world really um and i think i'm just trying to I always try and apply new ideas that i've found to other aspects of life like i think you know we, we, we all do um and i think yeah if you look at kind of economics and if you look at it, the idea of investment um you know if you the, the idea of investment is you invest something now you sacrifice something now for uh, to, to to benefit the future yeah and expenditure is spending money now with not any regard for the future it's just expenditure it costs you now and it's not an investment for the future and i think if we look at training 
if you uh, are training with like maximum effort, highest, highest level of, you know, your ability all the time, then I just think it's, it has, doesn't have much consideration for the future. Like I think I'm trying to zoom out now um, over the past year or so, trying to zoom out a little bit at looking at my training over the next five, 10 years. And like right now, where I am right now, 2020, in 2030, in 10 years time, I want to be considerably better than I am now. So how do I achieve that? Is it by training at my maximum almost all the time now? No, I don't think it is. So I'm, I'm looking more at investing in the right amount now to get that long-term growth um, and it being sustainable. Um, and me, and, me and Flynn have talked about this quite a lot. And I think there's some people who are much more on the, on the too conservative side of that. Like there's a lot of people, on, there's a few people I know who I feel like, you know, if you look at the past 10 years of their training, they've only invested a very, very small amount. You know, it's like putting, it's like putting a pound into a jar every like once a month or something versus taking that slight bit more risk because the more you invest the more risk is involved in getting injured yeah much like the more you invest yeah. in your money in something the more risk there is that you are financially struggling because you've invested money and i think yeah you can be too conservative and look at your past 10 years and you haven't made as much progress as you could have based on your ability at the time 10 years ago and then you can do way too much and get injured and burn yourself out and that takes a lot of people away from the sport and in the long term, you've wasted more time because you've got injured so much over the next 10 years that the rate of progression has been just up and down. And yeah, you're probably better in five years than you are now. But could it have been better if you'd have invested the right amount at the right time for the long term growth? So I think that's kind of what, what, I'm, what I'm after now. Um, yeah, and I think getting injured is, is kind of like if you get injured and you have a step back, that's kind of like being quite poor in a way if we compare it to money again it's like being poor if you're quite poor you don't have much to invest so the amount of training that you're doing to build up that tolerance and build up that progression over time should be very minimal you're trying mm. to build up slowly over time and increase mm. your wealth increase your capital over time um and if you are a bit injured and you or even if you're even if you're 100 healthy no niggles at all no injuries at all you shouldn't be training at 100 because then it's like having a hundred thousand pounds and investing ninety nine thousand or even a hundred thousand pounds into something you have nothing to fall back on. Yeah. So it's like it's just the idea. I think it works on a percentage probably. It's pretty hard to quantify in training because we get carried away and we go and spend eight hours all day training. Um, and I think something that I've thought about with Callum's tip recently, Callum's five hundred tip. Um, it's just like as a sport, we call ourselves athletes and we don't train like any other athlete. Like it's not the training that we do is just so free flowing and like based on how we feel in the moment. Sure. No, no, no one else's training is like that in other sports. So I think if we were to structure our training a lot more, it's much easier to quantify and much easier to analyze where we've, how we've progressed over the years. That doesn't necessarily mean that we should, each training session have a plan for sets and reps of things every single training session. I know some people have, in, have implemented that and it seems to be paying off. Um, talking of Daryl Stingley particularly, um, he seems to be quite keen on that stuff, which um, is that's brilliant. But, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, that's, that's my general approach now, summarised. Um, I mean, it's been, it's, 
it's taken a lot of years to develop that wisdom and I'm sure I'll look back in five years and probably think I thought I was so wise then and I've learned a lot more now from wow. probably having more injuries you know like yeah. we all get carried away we all fall into that trap of of coming back from an injury and getting too excited and doing too much training at the same level that we left off at you really have to ease back into it and mm. invest the right amount at the right time so that we can look at the long term zoom out look at the bigger picture mm. um, but with that being said enjoyment and having fun is still at the core of parkour you know like you, you find the challenges that you want to find you find them enjoyable because they appeal to you and if a challenge means that you're going slightly out of that comfort zone every now and again and pushing investing that bit too much of energy and um effort into a challenge that maybe sacrifices the long run slightly then maybe it's worth it on the odd occasion you know it's like we've all just seen um thor half thor julius um deadlift 501 kilograms and uh eddie hall did it you know a few years back lifting yeah. 500 kilograms and that, that sort of lift isn't like he's not doing that to get stronger for longevity you know that's a sacrifice he's making for <laughs> a ridiculous sacrifice that he's making for um for history really um, <laughs> yeah so, yeah but obviously he's he's tapered and peaked up to that point and then he's dropping back off it's not like that all the time and um, i think we can learn a lot from other sports really i think that's yeah something that we should also consider mm. how much we can learn from other sports so yeah i can't imagine being that strong and just like picking because i you know i i have a certain amount of strength and in my day-to-day life, I come into contact with various things that are various weights. I can't imagine <laughs> being Ridiculous. at his level of strength and just like picking things up easily, like just <laughs> lift. Like me, me or you, deadlifting two hundred kilograms would be a three, four-year goal from now. <laughs> if, we, if me or you were to ever, like, if we were to devote ourselves to powerlifting, and you deadlifted two hundred and fifty, that would be pretty pretty like intermediate pretty good level lift you know like 300 300 kilograms is where like people who weigh my weight are competing in powerlifting mm. and 300 is ridiculous it's 500 it's yeah absurd absurd yeah mm. well it's, it's this um it's good you mentioned callum's callum's tip about um the, the fight well the 500 tip because uh I think, yeah, I, I definitely, I know we've talked about this a lot anyway, but I definitely feel there are a few kind of new waves with the parkour culture at the moment um, that are coming about. And I think he's created one of them with that. I think that uh, Jimmy the Giant, Kieran, is doing something as well. Um, as always, Mervis and Storo are doing stuff and uh, keeping things going. But yeah, I feel like people are starting to reflect and think about their own training and think about the culture of mm. parkour i think um yeah I, it's interesting the the i think you're completely right about this this idea of, of of athleticism and training um i think that to an extent it's been part of parkour culture has been this has been a, a huge kind of celebration of freedom and not having to yep. think about, uh, you know, structure or the future mm-hmm. or, you know, it's, it's no coincidence that a lot of parkour people, um, you know, 
have tramped around from here and there, you know, live quite frugally. Um, yep. is you know, celebrated the moment, lived in the moment, that sort of thing, these big, amazing moments of life, doing these incredible things that, that most people can't do. Um, yep. It's no surprise, really. I, I, do, I do find it super interesting what you're saying and, and about this, this rise of the athlete. And, and again, I think it definitely involves this, this kind of different focus that people are having towards things like competition. I know a lot of the Americans are really pushing like performance, you know, like write some of, um, you know, Daryl Stingley's stuff you can see he puts in crazy amounts of work and he's, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I watch his videos and I, I don't, I see him as like a different beast, you know, like he's a different, it's, it's parkour, but it's like, yeah, I guess it is athletic parkour. It's not, there's no scrappiness. There's no snoppiness. It's, 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 it's powerful and clean as hell. Like it's refined. refined, Yeah. Um, Mm. I think it's subjective whether you see that as the pinnacle of parkour though. Um, I mean, you take yeah. someone like um, take someone like uh, Matthias mm. or um, or Yanis, um, and and I, I would say I prefer watching them. I prefer seeing their content. I I, I just I guess that comes down to style. But would, mm. it's interesting. Are they athletes? Are they or are they just extremely lucky genetically and very hardworking? You know. Um, it's interesting these different these different subsects of parkour and and how people fall into different into into these different subsects. I guess it's based on what you what you want to achieve. Like yeah. Matthias, I don't think wants to achieve the same things that Daryl does. Um, no, he he's and again that comes down to what he's good at and what he enjoys and stuff. Um, mm. But I find it so interesting that you know we're in a position now where the community is big enough and there's enough subsects where we can almost we can we've got a range there's a range of of pinnacles in a way you know there's a there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, the, athlete, there's the athletes like tim and daryl and there's mm-hmm. the the you know the street cats like matthias and Yanis and 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 joe scandra and that and then you've yeah. got the ruggedness and the, the sort of renegadeness of Storo, and it's just amazing it's amazing that you can you know, pick from, from these different areas. I, I'm kind of going off track a little bit. We've not got too long left, I don't think. But, um, yeah. but yeah, um, one thing that I've, I've looked at a little bit with my own training is very, very basic. <laughs> but writing down three lists. And the first list is things that I'm good at and don't necessarily need to improve on. Well, you can always improve, but just things that I want to maintain. So I know that I'm good at step bolts. <laughs> like there's no way something quite drastic would have to happen for me to be like really struggling with step bolts. Um, <laughs> like I'm good at step bolts. I'm, I'm good at rolls and I'm, uh, I can do a, a nice sit dash, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then the second, second list I've got is things that I can do, but definitely need more work. So, for example, I'm not very, I'm not massively confident with um, uh, like lache prees or level cat passes or level arm jumps, cat leaps, that sort of thing. 
So that would be in my category. Uh, in that yeah. category. And then the last, the last list for me um, would be things that I actually can't do. Um, things mm. that I maybe have tried, but, but don't like have down, you know? And yeah. so for me, that would be like, I can't, I can't cast, I can't lash from cast. I can't do it. Um, yeah. I can't do, um, I don't know, front 540. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I've just uh, I've made these three lists and I've kind of I guess maybe what I'm looking at now is, is just picking from a few of those things hmm. my sessions um, hmm. um, because I, I don't think that I'll ever want to do my parkour sessions as just like workouts really like to, hmm. an, to, an, to a strict extreme but um, yeah. I definitely think that I want to be a bit more <laughs> a bit more set with uh with my intention I guess. Yeah. so i think yeah like um the, the the beauty of parkour and it being a sport that other than other than for competition you know if you're competing then yeah okay you've got set um abilities that you should work on oh what do I mean? but um i think that generally I've just heard Callum speak about this in the recent um, Motus podcast. Yeah. And he's saying like, they're saying like, why do you think that you've kind of just gravitated towards the more power oriented stuff? And it's ultimately just because that's what appeals to you. Like that's what you enjoy doing. And I think like if I were to write the same list, um, I, I, yeah, I can't front five forty. I can't do a castaway. I can't do, um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not very good at um, big plyo dive kongs. Like I don't really like level dive kongs or dive kongs in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but the beauty of parkour is you can choose to specialise in the things that you want to pursue, and you can choose to not um, engage in practicing the things that you're not as good at if you choose to. Like it is completely up to you. Um, that being said, if you only do precisions then your overall level isn't going to be that good and you're, you're going to hit or you're going to kind of, I think, hit a plateau at some point. And to keep it interesting, you need a good kind of range of things to be working on. Um, so I think, yeah, like I, I go in and out of phases of being interested in working on the weaknesses of things that I've neglected over the years and then focusing on more specialising on, uh, yeah, kind of specialising in the things that I am good at and, and improving it because I get a lot of enjoyment out of practising the things I'm good at. And I think like, that's still very important to me. Like I, w- I wouldn't want to significantly limit the amount of training that goes into practicing the things that I am really good at, you know, like I wouldn't want it to just be like, Oh, I should only really work on my weaknesses. I should only just, you know, just maintain my, my good attributes and just work on my weaknesses and keep everything coming up together. It doesn't have to be like that. You can choose how you want that to be, how you want your different attributes to be staggered. You know, if you were to make a graph. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's completely optional, and obviously Matthias and Yanis have have chosen much different attributes to work on, different elements of of the practice of the movement, um, and it is almost a different world. Like you look at someone like Daryl Daryl Sting, Stringley Stringley Stingley, um, I've butchered that. It's it's I think it's Stingley Daryl. Um, I am Wavezilla. Azza. Azza. Easy. 
get him in the ring. <laughs> but he's, uh, we, me and Sam have talked about just people, athletes fighting and we've said that would be a very good contender because he just looks like a beast. But um, yeah, it's almost a different world. Callum and, Callum and Darryl versus Matthias, uh, Mark Ashigaru, um, I don't know, much more creative people. You know, like creative, flowy type movements. It is almost a different world. Um, mm. But it's part of the same sport or part of the same community. We would love to practice together. Um, but it's just approach is different. And, you know, it's, it's, it is really just each their own. Like, you're not going to find Yanis spending the majority of his year working on plyos and drop precision sticks. That's just not what he's that interested in, seemingly. Um, but Callum, He's all about that. And I absolutely love watching both of them. Like, even even though my style is probably closer to that of Callum, um, in terms of what I find interesting about parkour, or the challenges that I'm attracted to, I enjoy watching Matthias just as much, like, really. So, yeah. Cool. Okay, well, I think we've gone over 40 minutes and nothing's happened, so that's... Uh, still recording. Interesting. It's still recording, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully we don't, we don't get cut off. But um, yeah, I guess we'll we'll wrap it up there. Um, what are your... Mm, I guess briefly, what, what are your... What are your kind of intentions for yourself as a practitioner and what you want to achieve, really? Um, Quite a big question to close off on, but... <laughs> I suppose... Um, it's it's just maintaining that that idea of in ten years' time I want to be better than I am now, mm. and you know the, the more steady the progression, the better I'm going to be in ten years. So mm. it's, it's just about managing that and um, not getting carried away and doing too much, but also not being so conservative that I can't enjoy myself and I can't push myself. <clears throat> so I so said, just finding that balance um, as an athlete. I don't really intend to learn to front 540 or to, I probably actually would like to learn to cast away. I think that looks kind of cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, but I'm also open to like maybe in five, 10 years, I'm not as keen on, like I'm not as um, fixated on the idea of progression. Maybe I'm enjoying just moving more. Like maybe I will move more like Matthias than, <laughs> no, I definitely won't move a lot like Matthias. Because he's just like one of the best movers in the world, I think. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like and you know, like shades that as well. I can't say best mm. movers in the world without mentioning Shade. He's one of my, one of my favourites. Mm. But yeah, like who knows what what my interest will be in five ten years. Um, right now, I know what 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 I'm after as an athlete and in the sport and what I'm aiming to achieve. Um, that doesn't mean a checklist of jumps I want to do. It just means a, uh, an idea of where I want to be as a uh, in my level and my ability you know, in time. So yeah, it's just about maximizing that really, but not getting too carried away and being too structured and not having any fun at all. Cause it's quite easy to uh, get sucked into that for me anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, we'll call it there. Thank you very much for all your thoughts, Jack. Um, Thank you. So, well, we talk all the time, but I'm sure we'll, yeah. we'll, uh, We'll do this again sometime. It'd be good. And hopefully we can get some, I can contact some more people, um, see what we can, we can learn really. So thank you very much. We'll call it there. Um,
yeah stay safe guys keep training uh if you want to get in touch with jack it's at jack hb yeah or jack underscore hb sorry yeah. instagram and then just my name on youtube jack colin but trying to focus a bit more on making some videos on that whilst we're in uh these strange times so yeah keep your eyes open all right cheers jack i'll see you later thank you very much guys see you on the next one take care